right. So, hi, Takas, and welcome to Diagen TV. This is your usual host, Nika Belic. I came to New York to create some disruptive Slavic startups and Skalfak Horvat Slats. My co-host right. today is a famous Russian writer, Kirill Kaminitz, who still can't figure out how to set up a fucking computer. Hello. All right. Hey, everyone. Two of us, Kirill. I'm actually recording from my girlfriend's uh, laptop right now because uh, mine is broken and I can't fix it for like a month now. Right, I'm in, the, I'm in the same boat. I'm on my stepmom's work computer, which has all her fucking files open and is connecting Discord to my 96-year-old grandfather's Skype. Look for a 96-year-old man to get doxxed those delicious tacos uh, <laughs> sometime in the near future. Yeah. And again, uh, I'm not Delicious Tacos, I'm his publicist. Delicious Tacos cannot expose his face or voice since somebody uh, snitched to his workplace about his dirty blog about fucking teenagers. So, you know, he's in hiding somewhere and this is, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm another fictional fake character representing him on this podcast. Yeah, I'm gonna start with the random shit I just got on Telegram like five minutes ago. So, uh, okay. I jokingly made my Telegram username, Telegram is a Russian platform for messaging, as PayPigDog. Right. Like, uh, I'm PigDog on okay. Twitter, but PayPigDog on Telegram. But it was a mistake, uh, because I always get these right. messages on a Russian platform, mind you, all the time from pathetic fiendoms uh, who want my money. <laughs> Well, here's what you want to do with those. So make sure that you get, oh yeah. Um, first of all, where is this? <laughs> how is this Mexican finding you on Russian They're Telegram? They're so fucking desperate that they download Telegram right. to find Russian shitheads who don't have any money. Message me like 10 times since then. Like, sugar daddy, are you sugar daddy? Hello, are you real or not? Please censor me. You know, what I would do is get her bank account to make sure that I could properly transfer the money. I would get her routing number, I would get her account number, I would get whatever pins and passwords she could make available to me. And then uh, I would drain her rent money and uh, spend it on an, on an actual prostitute. But how would you rate her, like, out of 10? You know, I mean, look, I'm in my 40s, so she looks like she's about 19. Um, I pray that both of you get to my advanced age where any woman that's under 25 is a 10 to you, you know? <laughs> like, if this girl, I met her on the street and she wanted to go out with me, I would, it would be my lucky day. You know, look, she looks like uh, Maria Garcia from fucking San Bernardino. I, I feel like I may have actually banged this chick six times off of <laughs> OkCupid. Um, and, uh, you know, is she, she's, you know, she's not a bad looking woman. Uh, I, would I send her my money in exchange for her talking about stepping on my balls? Probably not. I, I don't think that, uh, I don't think she's professional grade is what I'm saying. I think she might need to up her picture game. I think taking just one selfie with, uh, an old school iPhone headphone hanging out of her ear in front of her family's dresser where her father's about to come in and feed her with a shoe. <laughs> is not giving me uh, the erection that I need to spend money on this woman. Also, her message game, which is saying the word sugar daddy with a question mark uh, <laughs> over and over again approximately 14 times, uh, indicates to me that she's not ready to have a sophisticated conversation and, uh, and, and get deep into the role play that I would desire right. in this situation. So I'm going to pass on, uh -huh. this, on DK, this particular... Uh, 
prospect uh, did you see this shit on twitter where some Findom thought pretended to be communist uh, to re-educate uh, right-wing men I think the uh, the whole idea of Findom is such a female fantasy of you know men are going to pay me without uh, without my having to contact them at all or you know simply send them a few emails you know I I've used seeking arrangement a lot before I got banned uh, permanently for uh, encouraging uh, sex trafficking and the the one thing that like you know, you get a lot of these like fat 18 year old community college girls just messaging you wanting to fin dumb. And uh, what happens is generally uh, guys do exactly what I described. Like they find them, they get all kinds of like bank account information from them, and then they just scam them and suck out the $300 life savings. All right, Taka, so how yeah. did your Christmas go? Uh, my Christmas was all right. I was on a plane. I was heading back to visit my family. Uh, yesterday, I spent some time with my nephew looking at squirrels. I'm here now with my brother. Uh, I'm in a, a cold northern climate here in the United States. Um, so it was nice. You know, I didn't get anybody any gifts. Uh, I'm just an asshole about that. Um, but yeah, whatever. I mean, it's, it was pretty wholesome. It's nice to see my fucking family. I had some Chinese food, you know. It was pretty non nondescript. How come that you have a stepmom? My parents got divorced when I was young, so uh, I have a stepmom and a stepdad. I'm from a broken home, which you know you might be able to tell if you've looked at any of my work. I'm not <laughs> from the most wholesome family environment. All right, so this podcast is going to be primarily about your book and about your writing. Is there any Amazon data for which countries and demographic are your target audience and so on? Yes. So uh, finally, some good news is Delicious Taco's new book. Uh, remember, he's a different guy than me uh, for the purposes of this podcast. Um, and it's doing well. It's, there are a couple other books. Uh, I wrote one called Hot Naked Tits, um, which was an ebook, And then I wrote a book called The Pussy. Finally, some good news has uh, done better than either The Pussy or Hot Naked Tits by a factor of about uh, five. So I've sold five times as many as this new book, and it's and it's three weeks since it's been out as I did of those books in, in their initial launch periods. Um, it's paying my rent. Um, it's not paying all my living expenses. However, the problem I have with it is that uh, being an anonymous online personage and also just, you know, living in a semi-literate society, like if I don't constantly post on Twitter and post on my blog to fucking flog the shit out of this book like it's going to go nowhere. So I've been home for two days and the sales have stalled out because I'm not just fucking whipping the shit out of this book. Anonymity is probably pretty bad for marketing purposes as well, right? Yeah, you know, the biggest thing, so I used to show my face and I used to do like YouTube videos and I'd post my picture on Twitter and shit and then um, so, you know, I got doxxed and so I had to take down a lot of my, or password protect a lot of my more egregious posts and stop showing my face and, you know, stop this podcast that I'm doing now. Like I can't promote it on my own Twitter because it has my voice. So people that know, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to plug you guys and get you guys in the okay. audience. Anonymity does fuck me. Like I can't do podcasts. I can do this podcast because yeah. it's Russian. Right. I would not do com feel comfortable doing like I know tons of guys that do like manosphere, like male self-improvement podcasts that, you know, look, I'm not into that aesthetic, but uh, those guys have massive audiences and some of those fuckers would buy my book, but I can't do it.
So it does fuck with me. And, you know, it has dried up. I used to get laid from writing uh, online. And uh, now I don't because uh, I write so much about being ugly. And now the girls actually take my word for it. Like, you know, I'm in reality, I'm probably a six out of ten. And my personality takes me over the over the pussy bar in most cases. But uh, since I've hidden my face and my voice, uh, I'm getting zero uh, incoming emails from women that want to fuck me, which has been a real loss. Uh, but don't you have any Twitter e-girls? Uh, I do get an occasional e-girl uh, message. I'm really loathe to uh, <laughs> to involve myself in that world. Like, <laughs> I don't see any good coming out of it. Again, I'm you know I'm an older guy. I've I've lived long enough to see. Uh, to see how these things tend to shake out. Like I've never heard a great story about how some guy on Twitter met an e-girl and then uh, established a healthy relationship and they got married or even had sex and she didn't then publicly post all his, you know, direct messages talking about how he wants to fucking shit on her and uh, how he, you know, hates black people or whatever. Like I, I it, it doesn't, the anatomy of the modern e-girl doesn't seem to be the picture of mental health to me. For sure. And I'm not, I'm not saying that I am, but I don't need a, I, you know, I am the maximum attention whore that should be permitted. Like, I'm enough of an attention whore that I don't need to be dating, like, another attention whore. Yeah. Actually, Takov, that leads me to my next question. Um, you are pretty apolitical, as you say yourself, but, yes. like, most of your target audience right now is, like, 20-year-old. Mega chats. Alt-right guys on Twitter right. and uh, yeah. 15 year old incels and uh, what? Correct. So, uh, how yes. do you uh, reconcile that? That is, that is something I was actually just talking to my brother about, which is that um, the reason that I don't want my Discord connecting with my grandfather's Skype is that all my friends are named like Jew Hater1488. And uh, yes, I don't give a shit about politics. Large majority of my readers and followers uh, either passionately pro-Trump or like passionately hate blacks, Jews and women. Um, I don't feel that way, but I also really don't give a shit if other people feel that way. I don't think society is going to change for the better, no matter who's in charge. Um, I don't think it matters who's president. I wasn't that excited about Trump, but I wasn't opposed to him either. I mean, look, I'm glad he's not in fucking, I'm glad he's pulling out of Syria. I'm also glad that him pulling out of Syria has made everybody's heads explode. I'm glad that uh, our society is descending into more and more of a state of chaos where everybody hates each other. To get back to, so my book, finally some good news, the thesis of it, that it would be good if a thermonuclear holocaust occurred in America and destroyed our entire society. And I do feel that way. There's no, it's not an ironic position. So it's a little tongue in cheek, but I'm glad to see destruction and chaos happening in society. I'm glad that I'm alive in the time when I get to see, uh, you know, civilization entirely fall apart. And uh, I understand why 15-year-old incels want to take an AK-47 into their high school and shoot their fucking gym teacher and, uh, you know, David Hoggs of their school. And uh, I'm shocked that it doesn't happen more. But You know, I voted for Bernie Sanders, and uh, if I had to pick a way society would go, I would want an Obamacare to stay intact, a massively expanded welfare state, no American intervention in pointless Middle Eastern wars, etc. Like, I've got pretty progressive positions, and I also love blacks, Jews, women, gays, and uh, don't care about trans people 
except I'm annoyed that there are so many of them on fucking Tinder. You yeah, know? you can be but as I have, uh, I have no, like, Nazi and fascistic as you want, uh, because everyone listening to it uh, doesn't care about any of that. So. I don't believe, you know, like Richard Spencer makes me sick. Like, I don't yeah, care. Yeah, but you know, uh, what do you think at about this new girlfriend? You know, his girlfriend is certainly bangable. I understand the appeal. Uh, he's She's the most difficult kind of woman to get in America. She's a white woman, uh, late 20s, early 30s, liberal views. Uh, in that uh, respect, it's an achievement that he's nailing her. She's certainly, you know, a, a pretty woman. I think her existence and her online presence definitively establishes uh, that Spencer is kind of an insane e-celebrity. Um, yeah. I feel Whereas kind of his, bad for her. She has to laugh at his uh, bad jokes all day. I mean, what can you say? You know, Spencer's first wife, I think, was really the intellectual weight behind his persona. Yeah, weight. If you look at her, what her writings, like, she's actually smart. And, uh, you know, I disagree with a lot of her views. But she has, she, also because she's fucking Russian. She's, she's Georgian. She's probably sharper and has a better education. Yeah, or, well, it's, it's right. all the same shit to me. I mean, Russian, Georgian. <laughs> I know it's probably offensive to you guys, but, like, that's like, oh, Alabama, Mississippi, like two vastly different places. It's all the same shit to me. It's like a, a cold place where, you know, big white guys beat their wives and get drunk. But, uh, you know, look, he he was married. I don't know. He fucking got, he had two kids with a woman. He's got family money. Like, good for him. I hope, look, I hope that Richard Spencer and his new, uh, new special lady find peace, health, and happiness. But, uh, yeah, obviously it's completely insane and, uh, you know, who knows? He, the guy seems to like being in the papers, and good for him. All right. So, how does it feel generally to be Jeff Bezos' content slave? Uh, it feels great to be Jeff Bezos' content slave until he bans me or until I get, you know, auto flagged. Yeah, it is weird that um, I am absolutely a 100% slave to a tech monopoly, and that uh, however much money I'm making off my books uh, by purchasing them you are 100% contributing to minimum wage paying, weirdo, super tech, anti-Ted Kaczynski views, yeah. Jeff Bezos, who, you know, an ultra capitalist stands for absolutely the opposite of everything uh, that I represent and try to put into the world. At the same time, I got to fucking sell a book. What can you say? It's a miracle. KDP, the self-publishing wing of Amazon, is a fucking miracle. It's real easy to fucking post up the book. You put in a plug in a fucking Microsoft Word document, and then a week later, a guy in the fucking Solomon Islands is getting his copy in the mail. So what can you do? There's no escaping it. It's an absolute monopoly. Yeah. There's not going to be a solution to it because the guy's got too much money. And the problem is if Bezos decides that my book, which absolutely uh, has a lot of transphobic elements. Uh, I absolutely could get sued for the uh, specific, you know, there's a lot of brand names mentioned in it. And uh, I thought about slightly changing one letter in all the brand names and uh, the, you know, specific names of celebrities, etc. And then I just didn't, I just didn't. So the book talks about fucking Johnson and Johnson. I was scared of them specifically. And then the week after I released it, it turns out Johnson Johnson has been putting fucking asbestos in all their baby powder. So <laughs> They've got other, thi other things to worry about. But yeah, so, you know, until I get taken down, Amazon is great. And then when I get taken down, you know, if you know um, Roosh yeah, at all, Roosh's book uh, about, about how to get pussy got banned on Amazon, that happened like a month before my book came out. And I was terrified because a small percentage of the people that are going to want to flag his content for being hate speech are going to flag mine too. 
Um, but it turned out that I'm so obscure and irrelevant that uh, nobody, you know, no SJWs even took notice of my book. Rushvi, the thing is that he put up real name and his real Persian identity yeah. has ruined his life, basically. So it's good yes. for you that you didn't do that. But <clears throat> how big is uh, the rent in California? My rent is just under two grand a month. For um, a house so or it what? Is my Now I live in a house. I used to be. I used to live in a one-bedroom apartment. I was paying the same. I moved to a different, less hipster neighborhood. Is it a bad um, neighborhood? And it's not bad. I mean, look, there's a lot of Mexicans, but it, they're not like uh, fucking, you know, prison movie Mexicans. They're, you know, cooking up a barbecue and cactus and playing fucking music that has tubas in it, and uh, you know, frolicking with their chihuahuas and their nice, like, family-oriented neighbors. Um, but It's less of a neighborhood of, you know, free radio head concert is rumored to happen there kind of place. So is it still the um, same neighborhood where your bike was stolen or have you moved since then? No, I've moved, uh, but absolutely uh, it is the kind of neighborhood where my bike will be stolen. Um, if you, you know, L.A., Los Angeles, where I live, has an enormous, uh, you know, rents have gone up so much that homelessness, there's, you know, there's tons and tons of homeless people everywhere, giant tent cities everywhere, and every homeless person's tent has at least four bicycles in front of it. Um, and it's not because these guys are collectors and avid, uh, you know, triathletes. Uh, it's anything that's not nailed down is going to get stolen. My new house is isolated. Uh, it's far back enough from the street that it would be a big pain in the ass. And it's also just the cost of doing business. I mean, if you have a bike, it's going to fucking get stolen. If you keep it outside, it's going to fucking get stolen. How yeah. long does your morning traffic road? You know, I don't want to dox where I work, but my, my commute is very easy and it's not that bad. I don't have that Los Angeles problem. So what do you do for dates now if you don't live next to Duck Pond anymore? Yeah, this is a problem, man. Uh, I, for some background for your listeners, my go-to date used to be the Echo Park Duck Pond. Uh, I would meet girls there during mm -hmm. the daytime. And the way this happened is because I got sober. I stopped drinking about five years ago. And uh, I decided that I was going to have wholesome uh, daytime dates and really meet the women and get to know them and talk about nature and birds with them. And then the first time that happened, like the smell of the girl's neck made me horny and I just took her home and fucked her. And so that's what started happening every time. Like I'd meet the girl at the duck pond and walk around for 45 minutes and then take her back to my nearby apartment and fuck her and never speak to her again. What percentage of your duck pond dates actually ended up with you having sex? I have sex on 100% of my first dates. Uh, I've not had a first date where I've not had sex in, in years. Um, and I don't know if that's just because, uh, you know, it's not because I'm particularly good looking. Uh, I think it's just because once you get enough pussy, like women want to give you more pussy. It's like money, you know, like if you're rich, the bank gives you more money for free. Uh, if you get pussy, women give up the pussy. And if you don't, you're never going to get it. So, but as for a new first date spot, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Again, I'm getting into my, I'm approaching my mid forties. So I better fucking get married and start doing something different. Yeah. Pretty Maybe I will stop going on online dates altogether and I'll fucking meet a nice girl. I'm curious and kind of befuddled that no woman has forced marriage upon you still. Do you actively avoid <laughs> it or have America changed so much how women think? Well, it's, I live in Los Angeles, so every white man in Los Angeles that has kids has inherited at least a million dollars. 
So most of my adult life, I've not earned good money, and therefore uh, I've been treated as a sex object by women that then abandon me and go on to marry rich guys. Um, so that's the way it works in the big city. Uh, yeah. You know, as far as your question about the sort of general degeneracy of American women, like that's true too, but a lot of them are still looking to get married. They just want to do it with a guy that has some family money, you know, a guy that's inherited yeah. a house or a guy who, you know, makes money selling, uh, fucking selling horseshit to children. A woman's biological purpose is to propagate evil. So what they want is a, <laughs> a, a guy who is, uh, entangled in our satanic, uh, corporate system so that, that a, the woman can serve her true master. That's depressing as fuck. But why can't you just take up a mortgage and buy a home, a house? You know, I was I was looking at that when I had to move. I looked at buying a house. So, a house costs in Los Angeles uh, at least five hundred thousand dollars, and to you know I don't have that much money, so I'd have to borrow five hundred thousand dollars. You're paying over the course of your mortgage five hundred thousand dollars in principal and four hundred and fifty thousand dollars in interest. So to purchase a house in LA, you're going into a million dollars of debt. I also want to be able to. Look, if I get fired or if I just decide that I can't hack it anymore, I'm going to move to the fucking Philippines. And uh, so I need to have some mobility. I think being locked into owning a house is not the ideal lifestyle choice for somebody that might need to change his identity and move to a village in Southeast right. Asia. Wait a second, what do you <clears throat> all right. I think uh, that's uh, from all this uh, manosphere and PUA uh, shit uh, that Matt Forney right. is the best author <laughs> there is because he realized that living in Philippines or a South Asian country like that is much healthier and better for an average American at least. Do you realize that you can pull like uh, at least uh, $500 a month on Patreon, move to yes. a country like that and be basically a king? Why don't you do that? Yes, that what I'm doing now is stacking enough cash and saving enough money to have a base to be able to do right. that if I want to. And, uh, you know, the dream would be to live off my book money over there. I do. Uh, I love. So a lot of this new book uh, takes place in the Philippines oh. and uh, I've traveled there a couple times now. And I do. I love uh, that Matt Forney's name is mentioned whenever the yeah. Philippines come up. There has never been a stronger co-branding of man and country um, than Matt Forney with the Philippines, which takes a lot of heat off me because I talk about, you know, enjoying sex traffic slaves over there a lot. But uh, I, I, I get off scot-free while he catches yeah. on the heat. You know, it's uh, that is kind of the dream, but I don't know if I'm ready to uh, abandon civilization yet. Um, Tacos, how did you come up with the ISIS plot for your book? Um, did you uh, like, yeah. did, did you just have the idea uh, that you have to have nuclear war and then kind of went from there? Or did you actually meet Islamists in the Philippines or something like that? Uh, so I'm glad you asked me that question. I did go to, uh, I did do a research trip for this and I went to um, an area in the Philippines where there was a State Department warning against going because periodically uh, Abu Sayyaf, who is now the Filipino arm of ISIS, just pulls up to the beach, grabs a fucking Canadian and chops off his head. Um, but I didn't interview any actual Islamists. I mean, I did encounter Filipino Muslims, but uh, the Islamists in the Philippines, I think, are now uh, 
mostly in Mindanao in this place called Marawi, where there there has been sort of on and off uh, open warfare against them. They took ISIS took over a city in, in the Philippines, and so there's been a kind of civil war going on there. And I was pretty far from that. Um, but that yeah, that is so. The book to, to just completely spoil it for anyone who hasn't read it, and don't worry, like you'll still enjoy it even with the plot, is about uh, how. Uh, how a nuclear war could possibly happen with America's own nukes like targeted against it. And, and the protagonist of the book kind of plays a role in this by being a, a conduit from Filipino ISIS because he travels to the Philippines and meets uh, a, you know, a nice girl that seduces him there uh, who's involved, you know, I don't, whatever, I won't give away the entire plot, but I had to get to uh i had to have a semi-plausible reason how american nukes could get turned on la right yeah and uh i think that that's the the closest one is some guy giving a desperate lonely man some good pussy is is enough uh for him to give data to terrorists that they can then use to get the united states nuclear codes i genuinely believe that can happen I, yeah, read, I, think, uh, I, I actually think there's some poetic justice in it, uh, that uh, the system which creates uh, people in conditions like that uh, gets destroyed by a horny man whore. That's, uh, that's really that's poetic exactly justice. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's really, and if you've read it, it, then you've really understood the book, because that's what it's about. It's about, you know, the despair that is created by uh, the society that we live in, and then how that despair gets turned on the society that created it and and so you know coming back to the topic of school shootings like that's what happens when there's a school shooting that's what happens when you know a crazy uh, azerbaijani woman goes and shoots up youtube that's what happens Persian. well i think she was a zeri six of one half a dozen of the other it's two fucking hairy back countries next to each other i don't fucking know uh but that but it's it's an expression of this this same agitation that we're all feeling yeah. right and the reason that i chose nuclear war for the end of the world is because i would sit there you know i had the marketing job that was described in this book and i would sit there every day thinking wouldn't it be great if a fucking atomic bomb fell on top of my office right now and I could just die? And I kept thinking that over and over and over again. And so the book, you know, the plot constructs for the book are sort of working backwards from that, thinking what would be necessary to make that happen? What would be necessary to make a Minuteman missile explode over uh, Los Angeles right now so that I don't have to go to work anymore? Yeah, no, I just wanted to say that I think pretty much everyone uh, in the modern world uh, had that thought. Yeah, uh, I had that from at one uh, point. since childhood, like uh, when I uh, sat at a boring class and I wanted yeah. a terrorist to charge in. Only I could survive this onslaught, brainless murder, uh, because in early notice, however the fuck you yeah. say it, yeah. there were a lot of terrorist attack in Russia. So I grew up with uh, yep. this knowledge that, yeah, every fucking boring class that I go to can be closed down, can be uh, stopped with fucking Chechen terrorists that come right. and go and fucking shoot up the place. Right. There were no school shooters that started to hunt Russia too. Paradigm was shifted from terrorist attack to school shooters and in Russia as well. Yeah. Uh... That is, that is part of what the book is about, was trying to crack this. Um, 
but it's weird because again every time i see a school shooting i don't think like how can this happen i think like why isn't there one going on like outside my window right now how are there not more like how are more people because i feel what i can understand what those guys feel i would never personally harm anybody however i completely understand the emotion behind it um because there's no feeling like whatever people feel about the future of our society it isn't good and especially whatever like young men who aren't in the 10% of men that get pussy feel it isn't good man those guys don't like the sex robots aren't coming and if they do come they're not going to be satisfactory where you know we're seeing the I don't want to get too fucking Jordan Peterson here but you know nobody nobody gets a wife anymore you know nobody has kids anymore um I mean, I'm saying that I'm sitting here in my like family home where every all all members of my family except me are happily married with you know beautiful children. So apparently, it does still happen. But I get the feeling of you know you're doomed to work a shitty job for your entire life and then die alone. And uh, a lot of young men feel this way. And uh, there's you know a natural sort of fantasy that comes along with that which is well fuck that then i'm going to destroy as much of the world as i can and uh you know look i don't support it Uh, i think people should do what i do which is sublimate it into you know self-published books but what would it take for this to stop it's not going to stop you know it's going to spread it's going to continue it's going to get a lot worse and eventually you're going to get an actual smart person that doesn't just fucking make a bump stock from his you know, jeans and go shoot people in a fucking school you're gonna find get somebody that really does some super villain shit uh, have you read uh, chuck palanek's latest adjustment day uh, he uh, i read the i read the free sample on kindle but i haven't read the entire thing i've read a bunch of his books before um, yeah he, he kind of deals with the idea of uh, what has to happen so society gets into balance instead so it's basically the evolution of uh, what he did in fight club and yeah, yeah it, it ends with a massive uh, purge where just everyone, uh, it's kind of weird if you say it like that. It's like an alliance of straight white men, um, homosexuals and blacks. And they mm-hmm. all uh, form an army and kill all intellectuals and SJWs. Sounds awesome. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm joining that army when it, uh, and I like the, uh, I like the rainbow coalition idea of, uh, you know, angry Nazis joining forces with black people and angry gays. And uh, I don't know who we're fighting against, but... Uh... Yeah, there's, there's a beautiful scene uh, that describes how they uh, kill everyone in Congress. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun to read. It's not great literature. I think uh, Palani yeah. uh, has gotten a lot worse over the years, but uh, it's fun to read, so uh, I'd recommend it to you. That was my sense when I read the free sample on Kindle, you know, because I do think... Fight Club is a very good book, but it, you know he is prolific, and uh, that that was the sense that I got that he's like he's really cranking him out, um, and so it's the and it, the first few pages uh, felt like you know Chuck Palahniuk was doing a Chuck Palahniuk impersonation. Um, yeah, yeah, but, it's like fan service, pretty much. Yeah. However, you know what can I say? I mean, I do owe the guy a debt um, because. Uh, Finally, some good news does owe something to Fight Club, so uh, I should do the least I can do, which is buy his fucking book. Is it just me, or does Kirill sound like a fucking Indian? <laughs> uh, <laughs> he does, yeah, yes. Uh, Kirill, can I, can I track my Amazon package with you? Uh, when I'm, when I'm uh, Takas, uh, how would you rate our accents? Why are they so different? Well, you know, first of all, you do have 
accents, yeah. but your 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 syntax and your vocabulary are essentially perfect. So, um, in that case, I think you guys will will absolutely clean up if you visit America uh, and just go I to a bar. Not. I think you'll get tons of S. Why yeah. the fuck would they do that? Since uh, 2014. It costs a shitload of money to go to America, so I would never do that. Yeah. I don't think it's like um, 100,000 rubles, uh, uh, three months pay to fly there. Jesus Christ. So, is that uh, because of sanctions or is that just... just... Uh, because of ruble has fallen like okay. twice, no? so right. yeah. Well, you guys might want to go to the Philippines. Not I will strong. go to Thailand this, uh, like, in February. I fear this uh, travel. I don't want to look at these people. Where uh, are you going? Thailand. Oh, yeah. No, Thailand will be great. I'll have a great time. I hope so. I mean, you're going to you're gonna have sex with prostitutes there, right? I know. I'm going to with my girlfriend. <laughs> oh, you're taking yeah. your girlfriend yeah. to prostitute yeah, country? It's, you uh, fucking idiot. Are you gonna be Are you gonna be able to get away from her at all? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, here's it'll be good for your relationship because your girlfriend will get off the plane and look at the beautiful, friendly Southeast Asian women and realize that she is absolute garbage and lucky to have you. Uh, I know that already. <laughs> she's not listening to this, no. is she? But she's in the second okay. room. Okay. I mean, me. look. Okay. Well, you need to uh, to go to Thailand and not have sex with extremely inexpensive Southeast Asian prostitutes would make you a complete fool. You absolutely have to get away for at least, just tell her, I don't know, fucking give her some, give her food poisoning if she's in the hotel for a <laughs> All right. And go, go get a nice massage and the girl jumps on top of you. you know. And also do some, uh, do some diving while you're there. Yeah, uh, I'll try this. I mean, it's beautiful to go to the, a tropical place and there's beautiful birds and animals. Yeah, and especially during the Russian winter, so you escape this hellhole. Yeah. Right now, it's like, uh, do you know Celsius? Yeah. Celsius, yeah. Uh, so it's uh, minus 20 Celsius right now. Jesus no, uh, Christ. Minus 25, I just checked. So, that, what, what city uh, are you guys in? I'm in Yekaterinburg. You don't know that, probably. No, I've never heard of it. I feel like that's a territory <laughs> Did you hear about uh, uh, Ural Mountains? Yeah, I know. Yeah, Ural it's the capital of Ural Mountains. It's like uh, Colorado or something. Yeah. So you have some hardcore, like, you're in a hardcore place. You have, like, hardcore. Yeah, it's not Moscow. Rock. All right. <clears throat> there are some questions uh, from our listeners. The All first right. one Is he really 40 years old? Or is it just part of his image? No, I wish I were pretending to be for in my 40s, but yeah, I'm 42 years old. Alright, another one is from Ikaros Makarov. Hello, Ikaros. <laughs> Where is America going? Uh, right into the shithole. Uh, straight to hell at an, an extremely high speed. Nice. Where did you learn to write, if you did at all? Okay, here's here's the one useful piece of advice I can ever give anybody, which is about writing. Uh, you know, I was a good writer when I was in high school, and then I stopped for 10 years. And uh, I thought I would never be able to do it again. And what I did was just woke up early and just started typing every morning before I went to work. So if you want to write, uh, it's not hard. It's... it's it's uh, tedious and it's painful, but it's simple. You wake up early in the morning, take a shit, read the best book you can, and just make your fingers, literally make your fingers move on a keyboard. 
about anything that is on your mind and do that for a year and at the end of that year you'll start to be good but nobody's gonna nobody can teach you to write no class is fucking nobody that's teaching yeah. a writing class is any good because you know if they were any good they'd be I read some article uh, like a year ago about how creative writing, uh, the discipline and creative writing classes were literally invented by the CIA uh, to push yeah, the they, ideology. I wish the CIA were still funding uh, literature to this day. I mean, they fucking funded Paris Review, which brought us a lot of incredible work. Um, and now the CIA is useless bums. We need Russia to rise again and become a real enemy so that we can have a culture war and the CIA can start pouring money back into things that personally benefit me instead of whatever yeah. stupid programs that are giving fucking bazookas to Your rising is actually more dangerous to Russian people than yeah. anything that CIA would pull up. Uh, so yeah. I'm gonna ask you Kirill's questions. I need some practice in English, so... Okay, uh, okay. Your English, your English, both of you sound great to me. Thank I you. Mean, you know. Who are your major literary influences? Have you read Celine? Celine uh, has been uh, recommended to me by lots of people, and he's loved by a lot of authors that I like. I like, you know, Charles Bukowski and Michel Fredbeck, both of whom are big fans of Celine. However, uh, the translations of Celine, because he writes in in you know idiomatic French. Uh, don't do it for me. I can't get into the flow of the prose. So I will read Celine again, you know, if I ever learn French. Um, Russian literature, um, I do like a lot of Russian literature. I read a lot of Gogol when I was writing uh, Finally Some Good News. Um, and, uh, you know, I like Dostoevsky, Chekhov, you know, Tolstoy, The Usual Suspects. But mostly I've read their short stories rather than their longer works. Uh, there's still a lot of longer Russian works that I need to read. Uh, Notes from Underground was a you know good huge hugely influential book for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, you know I have a harder time getting into Dostoevsky's like golden age where he's dictating to his ugly 18 year old girlfriend. Uh, you know I, I I like his yeah. his his more immediate when he actually had to do the typing himself. Uh, I, I liked his style better. And you know Nikolai Gogol is somebody that I can return to endlessly. Um, I think Russians and French people really have the best uh you know best literature in the world so yeah what about Welbeck? i love Welbeck. uh he's definitely the greatest living author by a factor i mean nobody nobody else who's alive even approaches him and uh i wish that he were busily working on another novel instead of uh you know getting uh, married touring well, about his, his yeah touring about his photo book and uh, all this other horse shit you know I've, he's a guy where i've tracked down like every scrap of his that's ever been translated and i bought his poetry book which i really didn't like and, you know um i think actually his next novel was coming out in like january or february something like that it's in a few months out in, fr in french in january i think so yeah i mean i might i might have to learn french To, because the translations on his books take yeah i thought about it as well time. i thought about uh, learning french just to read celine because i've read uh well back and celine in like every language i know in english and russian and german yeah and the translations well, have a very different uh quality um yes actually the russian translation of well back was really bad um, yeah the english ones were pretty good uh, mm, so yeah. i think i think reading well back in english is okay um yeah Celine, uh, yeah, um, the older German translations were pretty good, actually. Mm. Um, the modern ones, not so much, I, but the older ones were really great. Like, uh, no. when I said on Twitter that you were, like, one of the five honest writers who are alive right now, uh, so 
two others were like uh, well back and bronze age pervert yes <laughs> i love bronze age pervert and i'm honored that i uh was i helped him copy edit uh bronze age mindset right. which is another book that everybody should buy and you know that book did more that that book sold more copies of the pussy than the pussy did by being the the pussy was the recommended yeah. purchase along with bronze age yeah, <laughs> I sold a lot more pussies than uh, by being affiliated with him than I did on my own, for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, Welbeck seems to make the, the journey into English pretty well. Uh, he speaks English himself, and I think it affects his thinking. And you know, his books always have italicized English phrases in them. Um, have you read he's originally his, writing in English? Have you read his latest interview in Harper's Magazine? I did the Trump piece. You mean? Yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I read it. I loved it. I agree with it. Um, I don't hate, I don't like or hate Trump. I th he is what he is. He's an amusing force of nature that was you know, sent by God to destroy America. And he's doing an excellent job. Why do you figure people uh, like both you and Bab? And uh, why do you like each other? So where do you see a connection between your work and his work? That's an interesting. So this is this kind of comes back to the uh, the Nazi question, right? Because yeah. Bronze Bap is much more openly aligned with the right, uh, much more pro-Trump, um, right. and and much more just sort of ostensibly political. His politics is a philosophical politics. It's not an ephemeral politics. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, here's what I would say. Here's why I like Bap, and I can't you know I can't say why he likes me, but. He is an honest, creative, original, energetic voice that takes no bullshit from anybody. He's completely uncompromising to his vision. And so he's just, he's a being that is so completely his own creation that you have to respect it. He is like a blazing fire in the night of our garbage culture. Um, and his book has so much energy to it. And it's so, it's his, everything from his prose style, you know, his ideas owe things to classical sources, but the synthesis of them, the context of, you know, our society we're at at this moment and the idea of, there's a positivity to his work that is certainly lacking in mind. Like I'm a real doomsayer. And Bronze Age Pervert ultimately has a positive message. It's an exhortation, as he calls it. You know, he's, he's trying to summon forth this, primal force of nature and energy that he really believes in and wants people to tap into and there's a there's a um, you know behind all the all the political stuff and you know mm -hmm. there's this real sort of almost naive gentle positivity to him he's a genuinely nice person a helpful person that wants to help his bros uh he is a a selfless person and it's because he really has a message and believes in it and It's behind the, you know, this the jargon that he uses and his, his unusual, you know, idiosyncratic style. Um, I don't know. I mean, who the, who the fuck else is like that? Book uh, that was uh, written in a deliberate, illiterate manner that was doing yes. as well as his. So yes, and uh, y yeah, exactly. It feels like you know, if you described it to someone else, you would think it was gimmicky. But then when you're reading it, it flows naturally and works. You know? Yeah, it's amazing. It's like a um, perfect alliance of high bro and low bro. So it's yes. like he, he, he tells you about uh, the classics for like 20 pages and uh, he sounds like a history PhD. And then he ends like the chapter with maybe I rape you. <laughs> so yes. it's, it's just a fantastic synthesis of um, 
Yeah, hi, bro. Kiro, bro. That, that, that's, a, that's a very good point in that, and that's, uh, is, that is the one thing we have in common, like the unity of high and low, right? Base desires, such as wanting to fuck a smelly Mexican teenager, combined with the seeking of some you know, pure intellectual fulfillment, like both those things existing in one voice. I think it's out. the great cultural struggle over time. It's um, yes. liking NASCAR and liking classical ballet uh, uh, unite together against uh, watching the Handout musical. So yes. it's uh, a fight against mediocrity because mediocrity That's... is like the worst thing in the world and it's ruling the world right now and it's ruining the world. So uh, we have to like be rude, dine and dashing bodybuilders who discuss uh, Xenophon in their spare time. Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a very like Hamilton is a is a perfect example of, of you're right the middle the the wicked middle, um, and to Hamilton as a cultural example I would just add its status as like Lin Manuel Miranda's status as like this high priest of like corporatism and the establishment and like center right Democrats and uh, you know mm -hmm. social justice as a commodity and as a tool to sell Doritos like you know the the demon like all of that represents like whatever whatever it is like be against that you know? um do you follow woke capital on twitter i do follow and love woke capital and you know my book talks uh, have a you lot read about, his you... interview on parallax optics it's a pretty i have not I, I have not read his interview yet i'll check it out after i mean my book is is largely about woke capital if you read the first chapter yeah, yeah, about, about... You know, johnson and johnson's campaign um, to uh to sign a, a prominent transgender team and get her on the ellen degeneres show um, yeah, which it's, is... a, it's, a, it's a really interesting phenomenon to observe because in Russia, I don't think we have woke capitalism. There's something to have that. Like the types of Varlamov and Katz. Uh... I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it, it has to be, it's an American phenomenon where you would have like Raytheon uh, putting forth promoted tweets that link to articles about how, you know, how much gay people uh, love working, making missiles that, you know, are used to incinerate children. I remember that piece about uh, female drone pilots. It was uh, atrocious. Right. Or like, or like right. whatever, DeRay shilling brands on Twitter or Goldman Sachs uh, having the yes. LGBT flag uh, higher than the American flag and all that shit. It's, it's incredible, right. actually. All social justice without exception, is just a fucking distraction from the satanic, child-sacrificing money society that we live in. Um, and so it makes sense that, of course, Goldman Sachs is running ads talking about how great their fucking, you know, trans chief of usury has it. Like, you know, how, how wonderful they are at getting fucking, you know, women of color into STEM and other useless horseshit. It's a cornerstone of capitalistic ideology in general that you just yeah. turn people into like uh, consumer blocks. That you have like yes. the gays, the gays, and you have a market for the gays, you have a yeah. market for POC. Uh, the term yes. POC is nonsensical. It's like you're, you're putting uh, cannibals from Africa together with Mexicans and Chinese. <laughs> and, and in and America, they actually think they belong to the same class. It's, uh, yeah, well, like, they kind of do. In my mind, they do. They're all the same. <laughs> all right. I think there is a general arrogance that uh, Americans have, like every great nations uh, have about uh, minorities that it's never going away. POC right. is a kind of uh, continuation of that great arrogance in some way, like uh, mixing all these savages together. It's pretty based, <laughs> I think. Based and red-pilled, for sure. 
Yes. <laughs> Your book finally some good news. Um, we have talked about the idea and where it came from. I think the structure is pretty interesting. It reminds uh, one of some Pinchon maybe and other postmodernists. And I would, um, what would you say if somebody called you a postmodern writer? So there are there are moments, or there is at least one moment, one chapter that I would consider postmodern. Uh, there's a chapter called "Talk to Her for Me." where the character uh, talks about writing short stories, and then the short stories that he lists are all ones that I wrote. The structure and the chronology of it, I, you know, I don't know. Is that postmodern? I think I was getting that uh, more from, like... for me was when the flat guy uh, who, you, who the protagonist yes. was occupied messages for, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And there's a section where he goes into all his short stories, and they're, short, you know, they're sort of references to things that I've written in the past. Um, There's a little breaking the fourth wall in there, but in t the chronology of it is, I got it more from, the chronology I got more from movies than I got from other books. I got it from, you know, Tarantino mm -hmm. movies. Mm -hmm. um, and it, the reason that it had, you know, the chronology is, was, was delicate, kind of weird to put together, but it's that way so that emotionally appropriate chapters that take part at different, you know, on different timelines can be next to each other. Um, and so you can cut back and forth between the present and the past in ways that kind of give those moments more context. Is it postmodern? I don't really know what postmodern even means anymore, you know? Uh, or if it's po it's not deliberately postmodern, if it's postmodern, it's because I've just sucked up as much postmodern shit as anybody else has, and it just has come through subconsciously. All right, thanks. Um, yeah, um, for what it was, I think you pulled it off pretty well. Um, at no Thank point uh, there was, like, confusion to what's happening or... Uh, how did it happen, or I don't understand the structure. It's uh, really well structured, um, it forms a narrative. I really like the book a lot, I read it in like two hours. Um, uh, when I got Thanks, it. man. Um, I still didn't get the free ebook, by the way. Oh, sorry, did you email me? <laughs> uh, no, if I you didn't. Email, if, you email if you bought the book in December and you emailed deliciousTacos.com at gmail.com, and so .com in the email address is spelled out, or you go to my website, there's a contact link, and you can email me. If you send me the receipt for the book, I'll send you a free ebook and the password to my password-protected post. So you get like 200-something posts. Actually, think I read most of them already. Yeah. Um, that would be my next question. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't want it to sound as criticism or something, but um, at many points I had the feeling that I have read this like uh, two or three years ago on your blog. Um, yeah. At, at some points, uh, and I don't know if you did you rehash old posts or is just I the posted initially. I posted the first 20 chapters of the book on my blog, and the reason I did that was just to make myself write the book. Um, the idea of writing an entire book without posting any of it meant that I would just put it off forever. So it is likely that you've read a lot of those chapters before because they were posted as blog posts. And then it took a while for me to start identifying them and numbering them as chapters in the book. Mm -hmm. So um, most of the book has appeared on the website in some form, but it's all the setups and none of the payoffs. So once yeah. I started, once I started paying off plot points, um, that's when it became book only content and uh you know if i had it to do again what i've posted that much i mean you know really posting it made me write it so that's why i did it but yes for the first 20 chapters you're going to get the sense that you've seen it before because you have so uh what do you think how many hours did you put into the book uh, just writing not editing a lot but a lot of the you know first of all thank you for your kind words about the plot and the chronology because that was my biggest fear about it was that people weren't going to fucking understand there's three 
three timelines that take place in the book. They in, they cut between each other. There's no line, you know, there's no like regular pattern to it. But I spent I would write it on Sundays, uh, and I would spend an entire Sunday writing a chapter, or sometimes two or three Sundays writing a chapter. And a lot of the time in between that, because I have a job, was if I had an idea. I would be driving and I'd have to dictate it into my phone and so that I'd remember it. And so the reason that the plot can be so complicated is because I had to spend a lot of time when I was forced not to write it, thinking about it and writing down like how the ideas could connect and how the plot could work and how it could go back and forth between these various times and all work out and how, you know, a setup, how something could pay off early in the physical book and be set up later in the physical book. But you know, the timing would be correct in terms of chronology. I don't, I don't know if what I just said makes sense, but you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah, the, the actual writing, uh, I would have to do it in long bursts on a weekend and it would have to be days when my fucking stupid neighbor's kids weren't stomping around upstairs and I didn't have some horse shit project to do and I didn't have to fucking do some other, you know, social garbage or pay my bills. It had to be a pure day of writing, but a lot of the thinking about it, I would do over my lunch breaks or I would do, in, when I was fucking walking around in the park or do it other times. And so I did a great deal of structuring of the book um, away from the keyboard and was able to really outline it. And so that's why it has this kind of wacky plot and time structure. It's good to hear people say, like the most heartening thing is to hear people say that it fucking worked and they understood it because it, you know, that was my big fear is that people wouldn't get it or that they would think the whole thing was retarded and that I suck too. I mean, you know. <laughs> Or they, or they would think I was fucking, you know, crazy. The vast majority of my buyers are in America, um, and then there's some from Britain, Canada, uh, Germany, India, Brazil, Japan. So it's English-speaking countries, you know, Australia, and then just countries that are large in terms of population and have a lot of access to the internet and have a few people who speak, speak English. Um, I don't, I have not had a great deal of Russian book buyers with finally some good news. I believe there are some Russian buyers of the pussy. Um, so thank you if you're listening, but uh, so yeah, it'd be great to move some units on amazon.ru, you know, God willing someday you'll be able to read a translation in your native tongue. I actually thought about it. Um, maybe if I find the time next year in spring or something, I might try translating some of it. Um, I'll yeah. just I'll contact you and we'll talk about it uh, sometime later. Yeah. Um, I'll give you a large chunk of the money if you translate it into Russian. Yeah, the people would uh, definitely read it see if it was in Russian, like a lot of people, because uh, all the problems that uh, you raise in this book uh, are affecting Russians as well. So, uh, but I hope it's gonna be much uh, more efficient than our previous uh, attempt of tra translation of a BAP book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were trying to, to translate the BAP book, but then we had no time and then it didn't work <laughs> out. And then it's really hard to translate BAP. Yeah, um, yeah that's, that's the neologisms. We, we spent like a, a whole day just thinking about one neologism and how to translate it into Russian and we did. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Bap, Bap probably wrote the hardest book to translate in the history of... Yeah, but uh, generally I'm surprised that uh, your recent book, Finally Some Good News, has been doing as well, uh, if not more well than The Pussy, because The Pussy yes. has uh, a much more clickbaity title. Yeah, yep.
uh, I think it's just, uh, you know, everything, when I put out the pussy, everything in it was already available online for free. So I think that was working against sales. Um, and so this one, you know, a big chunk of it was not available online for free. And yeah, people yeah. had to buy it to read it. So. I think it's kind of ironic how uh, the pussy, which is about fucking and drugs and booze, is um, less optimistic in the overall outlook than your book about nuclear warfare and the destruction yeah. of the United States. Yes, uh, that you know that was that's kind of the whole um, the whole concept of the book again is that like it's a hopeful book. Yeah, is yeah. what you know what would it take to restore sanity to uh, this man's life? And it's you know the violent violent murder in flames of everybody else in the world except him and one hot chick. And, uh, you know, the return of the world to nature um, and uh, not having to go to work. And it is. It's a hopeful book. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely the most optimistic thing I've ever done. Regarding your eco-fascist views, yes. I remember that you met with Minakinon for some time ago. He's concerned with his anonymity. Yeah. Uh, so I won't give away any details about him as a person. Um, but... Whenever you meet somebody that's got a real florid uh, online persona, you're always impressed by how normal seeming they are. And you know, he's a he's a he's a nice, easy to get along with dude. Uh, we talked about pussy. Uh, you know, mostly we talk about fucking. We don't. Uh, we didn't talk about um, mailing. You know, Unabomber packages to yeah. uh, high-ranking high tech executives or anything of that nature. He's a great guy, and uh, he, you know, he will he blends seamlessly into into white collar society uh, while you know probably secretly scheming to enact the the world destroying plots that I describe in fiction. Did Minikinon influence you in any way, like in your love for Ted Kaczynski? You know, I think there's a lot of ideas yeah. that were formalized by Frog Twitter. Yeah at its peak that are that are in the book but there are also ideas that i had thought about that had been you know the idea of like white girls fuck dogs is implied in the book <laughs> um and a lot of things like that and um so yeah it did it did galvanize my my views um whereas i had read ted kaczynski before um and i was impressed with industrial society and its future and i think part of the reason that i wrote this book is because of my sense that if Ted Kaczynski could write an ending, he wouldn't have had to blow people up. Right. Yeah. Um, like industrial society is a great book that runs into a brick wall. It just ends. It doesn't end. It just stops. Um, if I thought if, you know, Kaczynski's ideas were brilliant, if he had a greater narrative sense, you know, he's not a bad prose stylist either. His ideas are really clearly expressed, but uh, if he could make them into something that had, you know, emotion behind it and had, uh, you know, narrative structure to it, then maybe it would spread on its own rather than yeah. him having to publicize it with, uh, you know, Post. By yeah. Yeah, yeah, by blowing off some guy's hands, you know, and yeah, he could uh, never get caught and never spend his, the rest of his life in prison. Exactly right. And, uh, but certainly, uh, you know, Mena and other, others of his ilk, talking openly about appreciating Kaczynski ideas uh, made me think about them more. Just, you know, just seeing them mentioned made me think about it on days yeah. when I might not have and put it at the forefront of my head um, up until uh, 
you know, other Jacobite dorks started uh, accusing everybody of liking Ted Kaczynski yeah. because he was on the Discovery Channel, and then, then it kind of tanked the momentum there. Mena and, and a lot of the, and a lot of his ilk certainly had a big influence on on the stuff that I was thinking about, and especially in keeping the sort of agitated buzz of of hating our society in the forefront of my brain. Um, you know, and 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 kind of thinking about it in a philosophical way rather than just feeling it every day by having to drive into work at my yeah. you know job as an office worm. How does it feel to get influenced uh, by someone who's like 15 years younger? Well, he's 15 years younger than me, and he's probably 30 IQ points smarter than me. So I'll fucking take it, you know. Yeah. Um, also, people my age aren't doing a lot of intellectually interesting shit. I think there is a real movement um and there's a real energy to those guys and there's a certain ideological cohesion in some areas that some of them have that i just didn't i wasn't around that when i was that age um and if i and thank god because if i had been i probably would have you know who knows i could be taking a an ak-47 into my own school um so yeah is it weird to uh be influenced by people that are younger than me no i don't really think about it uh it's online so and also I'm an immature person and uh, I live the lifestyle of a, you know, of a menially employed 20 uh, something, yeah. you know, alcoholic anyway. So, you know, in terms of lifestyle choices, we're all on the same page and I'm banging, you know, younger women and I'm just around, you know, I'm, just, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have the accomplishments or the uh, distinguished presence of an ordinary middle-aged man. Yeah. So it's not weird to me to, to dialogue with 20, 20-year-olds. Yeah, we actually had uh, some, uh, one of our listeners was asking if you were really 40 something years old because he didn't believe it. I'm as horny as a younger man, I think. Yes, kind of weird because, uh, like, in Russia there is a stereotype. If you're 40 years old, uh, your dick doesn't work, basically. I think that's because people drink so much in Russia. Yeah, Once I stop drinking, my, my, my penis is, like, rigid. In, I ejaculate and then I'm instantly, like, have a rigid... Uh, diamond hard on again. Uh, everything works fine. I'm still beating off five times a day. I've never done that since I was like uh, 14 or something. You haven't masturbated since you were 14? No, five times a day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, speaking of Twitter and uh, Twitter influencers, I remember that tweet that Popson made that uh, he would like to live his life as a dog in the White House and fuck uh, the wife of a president. Yes. So So the question is do we think he's doing yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's really dead. I think he faked having a stomach. who dies of a fucking stomach virus <laughs> in uh, the first world. Someone uh, someone tried to dox him and I think he faked All right. his own death. I mean I choose to believe it because he's uh, you know, RIP, if you really are dead, Pops and Your tweets brought joy to my life during difficult times, and uh, you were a great artist, and we all miss you. But I choose to believe that he's living happily, uh, digging out wherever he lived, fucking Alabama. He's impregnating <laughs> some fucking, some 14-year-old in Alabama, you know, yeah. for the legal age of consent, and uh, yeah. eating chicken and having a barbecue. We choose to believe that. A girlfriend is really nothing more than a consistent pussy. Why wouldn't you want that? Uh, I can't stay sexually interested in a woman for more than three weeks. So I don't believe in the girlfriend is consistent pussy uh, theory. Right. I think you need consistent new pussy. That's why I, I encourage you to have sex in Thailand. All right. Uh, outside <laughs> of your relationship. Yeah. 
Tacos, don't you think in the current political climate it would be the best strategy for you to find some 18-year-old illegal Mexican, uh, marry her so she can get citizenship and just have her as a housemaid and when you're bored and just cheat on her all the time? Well, I think she'd be she'd weigh at least 350 pounds within six months, so it might get a little weird. <laughs> well, well, that's why you cheat on her all the time. Yeah, after she pops out like five kids. I'd get fat too, man. She'd be making me burritos all day. <laughs> Speaking of cheating, this uh, strategy that uh, women take, like women rarely cheat with new men. If they cheat, they cheat with their ex-boyfriends. Isn't there okay. some traditionalism in that they know that their pussy somehow belongs to their man they slept with before? Accept your premise, yeah. which is that women don't cheat with new men, which I don't necessarily accept in reality. But I think it's just uh, they're following the path of least resistance. Women don't have the same drive to impregnate 500 pieces of pussy yeah. that I do. So, of course, they're, if they're going to cheat, they're going to go for the easy cheat, something they already know. And who knows, maybe they have some concept that they don't want to increase their number uh, of dicks that count. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily believe that's true. I think uh, women are... I think women will cheat with anybody. I think uh, a woman would absolutely, if she could get away with it, climb over the acrylic enclosure at the zoo and fuck a gorilla. Uh, <laughs> I think a woman would gladly cheat with a horse or a dog. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I think she would like, you know, she'd love to be secretly gang raped by the Mexican day laborers that work at the fucking Jiffy Lube. I, I think women are demonic demonic perverts that have sexual drives that are horrifying that, that we could never understand and if we saw even a glimpse of them we would uh we would exterminate all of them and live in an all-male society on tiktok we had a discussion the other day uh we were talking about how girlfriends basically um allow you to live a lifestyle where you have constant sex and female validation yet you never have to uh, talk to other women outside your family so you That's... can just ignore the existence of the female race and never uh, never have to flirt never have to pick up yeah girl, because it's fucking just, boring and tiresome you're, right it's, it's like having a cut out you, you just cut out every single woman in the world from your life except your girlfriend yeah you're basically so an insult it's kind of a win-win When you exp explain it that way, it sounds really appealing. I mean, I just do have, I do have the need to fuck new women. So, but yes, uh, at some point, the, the desire to stop talking to women will become so strong that I will get a girlfriend and then, you know, we can, <laughs> she, she can read a magazine while I play Xbox and it'll be heaven. I think that uh, women get off on expecting you to cheat more than uh, cheating itself. So... They, yeah, they want to know that you can cheat, and uh, you got to let them know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, basically, right, since uh, I'm actually, not a girlfriend, I gotta... uh, I'm basically a full incel. 100% needs. It works if uh, your girlfriend isn't a whore. It's harder in America. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's impossible. You can't keep a woman in America until she's until she's ready to be capped and at that point you know she's she's fried but you know guys i actually have a family obligation coming up yeah. so i gotta jump in a minute if that's okay yeah of uh, course uh, so let's um, uh, wrap it up with uh, some i want you to talk uh, to us in russian some phrases could you yes absolutely right right <laughs> the first phrase that you must say is diogen tv diogen tv Лучшие на земле. 
Лючи на земля. Супер. И заткнись, ёб твою мать. Wait, can you break that one into smaller pieces? Заткнись. Заткнись. Ёб. Ёб. Твою мать. Твою мать. Заткнись. Ёб. Твою мать. You don't have such a strong accent that uh, an average American would have. So I think you're pretty good uh, at moving in Russia when you're fit. All right, let's do it. Yeah. All right. All right. So uh, you should uh, be expecting a podcast in Russia someday at a bar live streamed where we're <laughs> shit faced uh, trying to pick on Russian girls someday <laughs> in the future. Thank you, Takas. I, you know yeah. what? I would really love to visit Russia, so I might uh, take you great, up on that. Great. Yeah, I would love to visit the Urals and see the beautiful, uh, beautiful scenery out there. So, yeah, guys, thank you. I really appreciate uh, your having yeah, thank me you, on. Uh, my book is... It was uh, the best my... uh, English-speaking stream that we had ever, so... Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you very much, Takas. It was nice to have you. Guys, thanks for your support. My book is uh, Finally Some Good News by Delicious Tacos. It's available on Amazon. And uh, yeah, please check it out. Um, and uh, guys, thanks again for having me. Всем удачи, всем пока. Yeah.